out on twitter at bk glue guys facebook the glue guys netsdaily.com almighty baller radio brian yeah mike how are you doing we just we just had a long fight about the intro it's gonna be a new intro coming soon i don't know what it's gonna look like or how it's gonna be but we're gonna try to reinvent we do have an artist well i have an artist in mind that i don't want to reveal right now artist he is an artist he's on spotify i don't want to reveal quite yet uh who it is is it usher because i don't know if he'll do it it's not usher but it there are similar letters in the name. Is it Gwen Stefani? It is Gwen Stefani. <laughs> Damn it! You got it, Brian. Um, we are back. We are talking. This is the Tyler Zeller Emergency Podcast. Give me some. Oh gosh, something. I need a, an alert of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything. That's the Levert alert. I feel terrible. Um, for... Tyler Zeller, man, right? Is that the right Zeller? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was looking at um, because you know it's easy to get them confused and did you know that cody zeller's nickname on you know how on um nba reference they put their nicknames mm-hmm. is the big handsome which if you've seen cody zeller <laughs> I, I don't want to be rude but yeah <laughs> not, a, a, a fine looking of, man of cody zeller a solid 6.5 he's uh no just chris humphreys cody if you're listening to this know, chris humphreys actually attractive don't don't I take just, offense to this place if you've dated a kardashian you must be attractive yeah, that was kind of interesting. I think Tristan Thompson's the best-looking male that they have dated of all the Kardashians, right? Because yeah. it's Rashad McCants, yeah, who dated the the one who has like three kids now. Really, she dated? She dated? I think she dated Rashad McCants when he was wow. a hot young prospect for the Timberwolves. Anyways, Brian, we're here. Um, this is yes. exciting, man. Yeah, uh, so so big news. Tyler Zeller's on the squad. The season cannot start soon enough. <laughs> October 3rd is the first preseason game. Media day is on the 25th. Mike, are we going? Uh, we may be going. I still have to actually discuss it with uh, Nets PR, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which may not go. You know, positive vibes only, but sure. yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is like, so now we've had like a, a torrent of top 10, top 100 NBA player lists that seem to come out from three different news organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, D'Angelo Russell has been ranked extremely low on all those. I'm excited for the chip on the shoulder D'Angelo Russell season. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you follow D'Angelo on Instagram, by the way? I don't think you even do Instagram. I don't, do I don't really do. I know that I need to, and I just I just don't. The, the picture thing, like just going through pictures, I don't. That's not my go-to. <laughs> you, don't, you don't enjoy. <laughs> I, need, I need some You money. don't enjoy... Uh, Pictures. I like pictures like... enough, but like, you know, when it's just like for a lot of, you know, no offense to anyone's Instagram. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think people are going to be offended. But, but like anytime where if I'm going to go, if I'm going to go through your thing and there's five pictures in a row of just like you in New York City, that's it. I'm never coming well, that's back. That's D'Angelo's uh, Instagram. <laughs> I'm never coming back. Yeah. Um, I want to see like, you know, what's, um, like what VHS you just bought? Like what V? Like what like spooky oh. movie you bought? You know, like that. Did kind you of see thing. it? By the way, I haven't, and I need to. Are you interested in seeing it? Do you think it is actually as good as its box office? No, of course not. Okay. I mean, no. But D'Angelo's Instagram is is interesting in that uh, I for it's always kind of there. Now what Instagram does, they have the stories up there. He's always he's very much aware that he needs to be on top of people's feeds. 
The problem is that they're bad pictures. They're mm. not good. He does it. So there's sort of like a couple of ways of which you can be an Instagrammer. One way is to show yourself, to show mm. yourself in settings. Look at me. Look at the life that I live. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo does it the other way, which is what it's pretty popular. I think it's the, the Drake school of Instagramming mm. is look at this sort of moody scene that I'm in. You can't it's you have to kind of play uh, like a you have to be the detective. If you're looking at D'Angelo's Instagram, you have it's to look it's around. Moody. There's like a there's always some kind of weird filter. You're not really sure where you are. He kind of wants you to not exactly know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, how that impacts him on the basketball court, I don't know. But so that's it. Like, I, like that's not. It's made my t- it's made my enjoyment of the Nets much more interesting. I'm uh, in it now. Yeah, you're back in it. I'm like There's I'm in it. Some some moody excited, filter man. cobblestone street pictures, and it's you're ready to me go in huh? because Brooke was Brooke was a delightful net, but he was. He had an Instagram a month, and it would basically be just him at Disneyland. Yeah, and this is an interesting. I'm I'm in on D'Angelo's Instagram account. Well, um, have you checked out Tyler Zeller's Instagram? <laughs> I've not. It is outrageous. Are you excited? Uh, yeah. I mean, you were on fire on Twitter the other night, Mike. You had you were you were just <laughs> yeah. I got a little, like, a little zipping excited. out tweets like a maniac. Um, so you you seem particularly high on this though. I'm high on it because one that. It signals a couple of things. One, for on-the-court product, I don't think Tyler Zeller is that good. He's not that right. good. But they needed a center. That They needed someone else on the roster that could actually play center. You can't just play... Like, they would have had to have been in a situation at times to play, like, Damari Carroll, Booker, or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at center, which mm-hmm. is disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think more, like, broad picture. I think it just shows that... You know, so there's, like, schools of thought for how you're going to build a team. There's the Philly way, which is just... Tear it all down. Let only young players play. Never sign a veteran. And hopefully, you know, guys will get experience and build up from there. What Sean Marks is doing is more, and I I hate to use this, but it's more the Danny Ainge school of thought. Mm -hmm. It's that we're going to get, in any way we can get better, we're going to get better. And if that even means that, like, Jared Allen plays five less minutes a game because Tyler Zeller is going to be playing more, and our team will be better because we'll have a better better talent on the team. The Allen Crab trade was the clearest signal of that. The Allen Crab trade was um again, I'm not I'm not saying this is going to benefit the same thing, but the Isaiah Thomas deal. The thinking of the Isaiah, the Isaiah Thomas deal, the original one from the the Suns to the Celtics was that is an asset that we can use that could be helpful for our team and we're going to grab him. Allen Crab is the same way. Allen Crab doesn't help this team, you know, grow from being the way bottom of the seller to, you know, hopefully benefiting off of lottery picks and moving on young guys developing. He's a young player, but no, every move that Marx is now making is more about, let's get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Let's get a tiny bit better. Baby steps our way up to respectability mm-hmm. because well, they don't have first round picks. Not, not skipping rungs in the ladder to success. Not exactly. taking every opportunity to take a, a Anthony Bennett. And not wallowing down at the basement. Not staying down, just not being a sad sack franchise and being sad that they're being, a, that they are a bad team. You know, like realistically, we've talked playoffs. This team is unlikely to get there. I would put the chances of them missing the playoffs at 80%. I think even giving them 20% chances is generous. Sure. Right? Um, but signing Tyler Zeller is the type of move that you make if, if you actually want to have a legitimate team. Like, he does, he's 27 years old. He's not going to get better. His best season was three seasons ago, I think, at this point. Um, but he helps your team just a little bit more. He's not going to even win you one game, but he makes, like, the rest of the players not have to. It doesn't put 
the other young players in a bad position early on. It lets them progress at the level they should be progressing at. It's the, it's the safe choice. Totally it's the safe, safe choice. choice. If, if you're looking at it in a vacuum of just Selinger v. Zeller, which is what it seems to yeah, have been the case because Jared Selinger just signed with China like seconds before the Zeller news broke. Um, did I say Selinger? Selinger. Selinger? Selinger? Anyways, um, <clears throat> Jared Selinger's in China now. Um, but yeah, I mean, agreed on all accounts. It's important that it, you know, th- for for all the symbolic reasons you mentioned, I think that that's, that's exactly what you want to do. You, you can't take chances at every occasion. And Selinger, honestly, probably not your best chance. Wasn't worth it. Yeah. Like, I get, I get Anthony Bennett versus Selinger. There's a little bit more ceiling there to work with. You In think theory. Solinger's ceiling? Yeah, because I think Solinger, yeah. Solinger was always a better player than Anthony Bennett. Sure, just it just happened to be that Anthony Bennett was drafted. But yeah, one. and like the the like basement is pretty much equal at like they could both just be eat themselves out of the league at any point, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that the isn't that the fear? Um, f- anyways, so should we move on from Tyler Zeller? Do you have more you want to say about it? I, I mean, I do want to like so. What's the proper center distribution at this point? I mean, I know we're going to get in rotation, but like, yeah, like with like, do you play? Is Zeller going to play over Jared Allen, or is Jared Allen going to play over Zeller? Well, I hear. Uh, I mean, like, so watching some some content and stuff, and there's a, a pretty sizable contingent of people that just think um, Allen's going to go right down to G League, uh, which I was sort of surprised to hear. Um, yeah, that'd be disappointing. It's possible, you know. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I obviously, if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit the ground running you know that's a problem um and it's and it's a likely scenario but that would really that would really suck i would i would really like to see him get those 11 minutes throughout the season you know um start well, to finish yeah and i would guess the signing zeller would embolden that idea the fact that yeah jared allen would go down to g league i don't yeah i don't want that to happen because not only from a fact like i want to have enjoyable basketball to watch and it's more enjoyable probably to watch jared allen than zeller but this team does need athleticism sort of everywhere on the floor. Mm-hmm. And Jared Allen is by far the most athletic big man that they have. I'm not saying that, again, that Jared Allen's going to be the difference between the playoffs or not playoffs. Yeah. I don't think even going to the G League is helpful for big man development. What, mm. he's going to play a ton of minutes, but he's going to play with guards who, for the most part, mm. aren't going to care about him. <laughs> like, yeah. They're going to be trying to get their own way up to the the NBA themselves right for a big man it's tough to develop in the G League just in in the sense that summer league is tough and AAU basketball sort of why we don't have good big men is because yeah. AAU basketball it's not focused on big men it's focused on guards plus the rotation so thin as it is it seems like like in the NBA <clears throat> well just yes and our front court you know um situation is is quite thin so of the three big men like sending one down to G League does does not make a ton of sense um yeah, and what does it What's the benefit? I guess the benefit is that Jared Allen gets a ton of minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. is that going to be the difference between him being an All Star in three seasons or not? I don't. I don't think. I think it would matter more to actually play fourteen minutes a game in the NBA than it would to play thirty six in the G League or whatever he would be playing. Mike, can I ask you to pa- pass me that pitcher of water behind you? Absolutely, absolutely. Do you want some? Did you? Oh, you didn't get a glass. No. I had a, I by the way, coming over here, little uh, little behind the radio session, I uh, I got black paint on me from, so, you know, when you classically, you walk through the subway and there's a wet paint sign. I'm listening to a fantastic podcast on the Almighty Baller Radio Network. Were you? And 
No, I wasn't, but I, sh- I felt like I should say that. <laughs> Plugging, huh? You got well, it. That oh. was risky. Yeah. That was risky. <laughs> Those tiny hands of yours. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> They've doomed me my whole life. Um, I walk into wet paint on the subway, but we figured out a way to get it off, which was Windex. Well, Windex is pretty amazing. I've known about Windex ever since I saw... Not Mamma Mia, what is it? My big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> um and that's that's a that's a that's a laugh in there. That's a big laugh for me. Um but anyways it it really works. You can squirt Windex. We got red wine on our gray couch. Just zapped it right out. I mean, I was I had three seconds of thoughts in my head that I so I had a streak of black paint along my elbow and I thought this is going to be there for the rest of my life. Yeah, you just and got a tattoo. And I'm going to have to explain to yeah. everyone I meet for the rest of my life why I have a Nike swoosh tattoo on your forearm. <laughs> yeah. so there's a kid I grew up with who got a, he gets a girl's name tattooed on his forearm, and then her boyfriend beat him up and so and made him get Wait. a different... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got it without... He got it without being in, oh, in wow. a relationship. And then... Um, his boyfriend beat him up, so he came in like a week later with a Nike swoosh tattooed over it, <laughs> which is great. Really good. Um, anyway, sorry, moving on. Um, wanted to give some quick shout outs to other like Nets media out there. Sure. Our, our um, new, new uh, Nets Daily dude, uh, Nicholas Letourneau, I hope I'm going to say that right. Anyways, uh, his video guy, um, we like video. I love, first of all, if, if you know me personally, you know I am a YouTube junkie. Uh, full blown. It's bad, and um, so any kind of like Nets analysis, YouTube stuff, yum, 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 I gobble it. I gobble that up, Mike. <laughs> and uh, so, so Nicholas, I really looking forward to your content. If you haven't seen it, go check him out on Nets Daily. He's got a good one about Alan Crabb's uh, offensive potential, which I think we all agree is there. But he puts a nice fine point on it. And I realize that there's a lot of dudes on this, like from from this year to last year. I, I did like a little like excite, exciting to watch them play ranking. There are very few players on this team that I kind of already know what they're about. And like, while I l- may or may not like them or like, you know, can justify them playing in the game, very few people that I just, you know, that I don't want to see play. So like the only three that I can think of that I'm like, I kind of know what you're about. I like it or don't like it, but I just like, I've have you figured out basically like your, your ceiling basement is kind of decided in my mind. Sure. And that's Kilpatrick Booker and Joe Harris. Like those three guys, like unexcited. I, I like Booker. I like him. I like I like Joe Harris. Sure. I like Kilpatrick, but I just kind of I have him figured out. Guys, right. I don't have figured out. Lynn Russell Crab, Hals Jefferson Levert Whitehead Jared Allen. Lots of guys, and even on like a second tier, I, I'm excited to watch Carol Mozgov, Quincy AC Dinwiddie. Like I, I I'm excited for those guys to have minutes. So um, I just was like in the course of watching the Alan Crab thing because I hadn't I kind of forgot that Alan Crab has a lots of potential. Yeah, um, sure. Like in theory, on paper, in theory. <laughs> but but it's interesting to see like what so what is his potential? Like what's the what's the high ceiling on Alan Crab? Is I mean, it? I think if he comes out and he's and he's not scoring 15 points per game this season, that's. That's a bu- that's a bad season for him. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good point because you figure as many threes as the Nets take, as many as what as good as he is at shooting threes, like he should be. Fifteen points seems right. I think, you know, is he a twenty? I mean, twenty points is only five more points per game, but that does make a difference. Is he that level? Not immediately, yeah. but do you think that's in him? I also want to say I think I stole that from the comments section. That's daily. I think it was. I actually think I was net income's thought, and I just repossessed it and said it like it was my own um <clears throat> so shout out to net income uh but um 
Like, so what was the question? Like, uh, is he a 20? Like, oh, so there's a big a difference point, between yeah. 15 and 20. 15 is like, you are a role player. You're, you're good. You're valuable on a team. But that is who you are. A 20-point game scorer, a guy who can maybe even reach higher and carry a team on a night. Do you know what I, I have don't think Alan Crabb is that. In my own head here, how I think of it, and this is a not, not totally unscientific way of thinking about it. Sure. There's 10 to 15-point scorers. Right, and then like sixteen to twenty, and then over twenty-four points. That's like super duper, like super duper. Yeah. Um, like, but yeah, it being in the sixteen to twenty-point tier would be sort of where I'm expecting him to be, which is maybe lofty. Uh, but sub if he comes out and he's shooting Bogdanovich numbers, fourteen point five points per game, that's gonna that's gonna like miff me a little bit, I think. Yeah, because also because. To be honest, Marks' biggest gamble, obviously, is this Allen Crabb deal. Yeah. And the fact that they made it without getting a first-round pick. That this deal helped the Portland Trailblazers so much. Um, if if Crabb comes out and is sort of the same underwhelming guy that he was in Portland in terms of... He, he had no growth last year. He was getting eight shots a game last year. Eight sure. shots a game is so nothing. this year he's going to get... Probably 13, at, right? At least... Probably you know, at least, yeah. Five so, or six more. So, yeah, let's say five or six more. Let's say just conservatively half of those or 60% of those are three-point shots. Yes, he, there, there's going to be a statistical improvement. Um, but even beyond statistical improvement, it's like, is there growth of him on the basketball court? Is he just third-wing scorer? Or is he a little bit more? Is he, like, to, to be honest, like, Otto Porter, I don't love him uh, overall. But can he be what Otto Porter was on the Wizards? Can he be... The guy spot up in the corner, hitting threes like at a crazy rate, and getting rebounds, and kind of playing a little bit of defense. Like, does he does he fit that role? He should. Yeah, but. I think so. I think so. I'm excited to see. I think so, Mike. I'm pretty pumped up. Speaking of uh, the guy he's kind of replacing in Bogdanovich, sort of like that's yeah. the position that's ultimately he's kind of filling. Uh, your boy George W. GW, my dad, uh, my dad. sent me an email <laughs> like four o'clock on a weekday. Uh, being like, I could just see him sitting at his desk and like, t- you know, pun- sort of maybe even pontificating out loud, thinking out loud to himself. Uh, but he, he sent me an email being like, you should check and see what the defensive rating of the team was before and after the Bogdanovich trade. <laughs> Fine. I'll bite. I don't know why you didn't do it, but I'll do it. Um, I know why it's because he doesn't know how, but, yeah. but I do because I can use the internet well, and he knows defensive rating and that's, he actually didn't. He just said, just what is the defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but it was a good instinct, uh, because I did it and I found, so February 22nd is when he got traded. So before that the team's defensive rating, and I'm keeping in mind, this is still small sample size theater. So take, take that, take it all with a grain of salt. Every, every number yeah. you ever see, take it with a sm- at yeah, least a small grain of salt. We're in there. Yeah. Uh, defensive rating is 109 point something. I forgot to write down the decimal. 28th in the NBA is what you need to know. And then with after Bogdanovich. with Bogdanovich, after the Bogdanovich trade, we shoot up to eighth in the NBA at a, at a defensive rating of 105. That's a pretty big jump. And I and like so generally, I don't buy into a ton of this kind of stuff. But the, that, yeah, that the, seemed like a pretty big leap. And and so like and I've always kind of been a, a Bogdanovich def, d- defense defender. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why. Well, I think it's only because there's one game when LeBron was on the Heat that Bogdanovich, like, somewhat deed up LeBron for one mm. one series at the hoop, <laughs> and you're that like, was it. And like, I base every all my yeah. basketball decisions off of one. Sure, moment. sure. Um, but we, like, yeah. okay, so that's an interesting stat, right? Because that not only shows the effect Bogdanovich had on the team. I think Bogdanovich also like 
in the league is one of the worst defenders statistically in the whole league. But it also shows the fact that the team, just overall, was playing better defense at the end of the season. Yes. And we focus so much on Lynn not being there and offensively. But if, if, in fact, if they actually play better defense. Right. This is probably, you know, Lynn comes back not, not soon after this trade, and too. Lynn's a good defender. We know that. Lynn's a lockdown defender, Mike. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. But what's D'Angelo? So that's the problem. It's like. D'Angelo's like at his position sixth worth in the NBA or something. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Right. That's helpful. But what is his position anymore? You know, oh, so God. that could just change oh, overnight. <laughs> Ball handlers, shooters, and. Big men, right? We'll just that's it. we'll just play the box in one with with Lynn as the rover and shut <laughs> it down. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. Um, do you okay? Let's let's a uh, quick question with Boyan and Brooke subbing out those two and getting D'Angelo and Mozgov. Is this team better defensively mm, than last question. year? Now Brooke is the person I think is often goes uh, as like the underrated defender dude um, because I do think his ability to challenge is is pretty elite uh, at the rim for sure. Um, like, I mean, just just think about it like just in human context. Yeah, there is a seven foot plus human that is very thick, very thick boy that is blocking your way. Yeah, that that can move and is a smart player. It's like yeah. so that there is value there. Obviously, there are statistics to back that up. But there's somewhere. I mean, I, I feel like I've read them every year from the beginning of the season to justify my that opinion <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> because it, because it's not a super popular opinion. Um, but you know, and I should we should definitely do this for Mozgov eventually. But uh, I don't know what like the like hot, the hot takes on Mozgov's defense are. Um, but yeah, is he going to be? Is he the 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 new the new version of a center that's chasing around you know fives that can stretch the floor? Probably not. I know, and that's the thing. There's like that's why obviously Chris Daps is so valuable. Is that mm-hmm. there's just so few centers that can actually run around the floor. I think yeah. that's sort of also. Uh, like a misnomer, right? Or that's a misidea. Mm. The fact that fives are ever going to chase guards around. They, they don't do all, all fives have to do is show on a screen mm. and survive. That's all they have to do. Yeah. Uh, they're not, they're not chasing dudes around the perimeter. Um, I mean, Moskov should be better defensively, right? I mean, he is more athletic than Brooke. His entire Dude, focus. Did you see that dunk in the Russian league thing that was all over Twitter? What Mozgov? His putback with a left with that left-handed putback. I just saw the headline say Mozgov redeems do, himself. Do, do yourself a favor and actually watch that because it's, it's it makes a really good. I think oh. a, a good like um, dunking clip is all about the audio for me, and it's got great audio. Like this, so a clip I keep watching, I keep going back to is the Baron Davis dunk on Andre Karolenko sure. in the Warriors. <laughs> you, you keep going back to that. I go back to that. The once we believe a month. Warriors. And the because what's a month? Yeah, what made it special was they had up the because at that time the big hype in the Oracle Arena or wherever they were playing at that yeah Oracle was that the Warriors fans were the loudest in basketball. This is pre you know the dominance that they have right now. So they were fun. They were this wasn't so corporate. You know we always get mad about corporate crowds. Um, And they had the decibel level and it was just electric. Everyone's in yellow. Baron Davis is it's a, the unexpectedness of a dunk is also important. I think you can't you, it can't be obvious that, that it's going to happen. I mean, Vince Carter on the what Frederick Weiss or the French dude mm-hmm. unexpected that he would do that. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like I've gotten enough into this EuroLeague basketball. What's happening right now. Right. I mean, there's been we get drips and drabs of like Luka <clears throat> Donkic yeah. is out there like lighting off three-pointers going crazy. Chris Dapps is scoring really well but not winning, which is very 
very on brand yeah. for the Knicks. We're going to need to start our own FIBA basketball podcast. People people <laughs> people like seem to know a lot about FIBA somehow on the internet. I'm like, who wh- how are you watching this? Where are you watching? I know. This? And then where where is this popping up? By by the way, I wanted to uh parlay your your um thoughts about Oracle Arena and sure. it being super loud. Uh our friends at stadiumquest.com. Oh, so sweet. Hit us up and uh so I'm reading through. I, I really love the website, and you should check it out. It's pretty great. It's basically just like he does like f- super in-depth analysis of every single sports <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> arena. Oh no! Barclays crushing it in the food department, oh, okay. but but with, in the with, in-game atmosphere, the not so much. By the way, th- is the boomer and carton stand going to go away? And That's a great question. I actually haven't like really gone in and read about that because it broke my heart. I didn't want to. I didn't. I hate I to hear that. And stuff. I can't really talk about it. But yeah. um, um, so let's not. Let's, yeah, you know, but, let's stay away. But yeah. Anyways, um, he gave <laughs> the in-game atmosphere. Barclays has a lot of work to do, Mike. Um, I, I, you, I'm sure. You, I'm sure you know this. It's I a actually, raucous crowd. I haven't gone to a ton of. Um, I should read the uh, the MSG one because I'll tell you what I went to an MSG game. I went to yeah, just one last year, and it was dead, which was never my experience in MSG. It was also a Nets game where the Nets were busting their butts, and uh, so maybe so that's why yeah. it, that that has that probably had something to do with it. But still, like it used to be at MSG when I was there, people would at least be heckling the Knicks for being bad. They don't even have the wavos to do that anymore. They don't even have the energy yeah, to heckle them. And, and like I, I, I've been at the garden where there's still that vibe that like the the sense that you get there that mm-hmm. the crowd is alive and it's moving and you can just feel the noise and all that stuff. But I feel like the Knicks fan base is just that's what happens for decades long like dead. depression that's going to happen. I mean, every time they talk about the legacy franchises with mm-hmm. the NBA, you know, they talk Celtics, Lakers, and they mention the Knicks. And what's interesting is that the Knicks aren't. They're just right. in terms of the grand scheme of basketball, if we're being honest, they aren't. Like right. the Sixers are more relevant in the history of basketball. Obviously the Bulls are. To be honest, the Phoenix Suns are just as relevant, or the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Um and when you go to these Knicks games now, it is like it's depressing. And you see these guys in the orange and blue jerseys that you know that should be an iconic jersey, and it's like Lance Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been on the team forever. Right. Um but the Nets crowd, I mean, well, you, you can I'm, a, expect- I'm a defender of the Nets crowd, by the way. So so am I, and I often I have been, but I've also like I don't I don't travel around going to a whole lot of games. Like I've never been to Oracle, so I don't I don't really have a huge basis for comparison. But he said Barclays Center provided the quietest basketball game I've ever been to. <laughs> so yeah, so and I can and I can see that I've definitely you know I've been there on nights like when we were in the playoffs playing the Bulls, and it was there was some hostility in the because the Bulls fans travel like notoriously well, and uh, it was awesome and it was loud and you know it's a. It's a. It's been a you know difficult time to be a super committed Nets fan in the last couple of years. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I will say, like the way the Nets have branded themselves since they moved to Brooklyn is less about basketball and more about like great. Like we're gonna have great food. You're gonna have a good time. It's more of a like not club atmosphere, but it's more of a yeah, it's hot, status hot, event. It's exactly club atmosphere. It's Honda well, Club, baby. Yeah, and it's less about you know when you look at the smaller market teams. It's more about the Spurs fans are going to the game because they want to go to the game. The Thunder fans are going to the game because they want to go to the game. When you go to a Nets game, for the most part, particularly because the team hasn't been good, you're going to the game because you kind of want to drink some beers and eat some fun food and hang out at a cool place rather than 
I'm locked into basketball. Yeah. I mean, generally, and that's I, the Nets ownership I get fault. pretty crunk at a basketball game. So Yeah. But that's irregardless of the Nets or anyone else. Um, Give when, me a dollar beer night, and I'll go. Dude, I was I would I remember doing this for for a podcast we did two years ago, and I was trying to find out who had the cheapest beer. Cleveland Cavaliers, you get a four dollar beer at a Cavs game. Can't even imagine that. Come on, can't even imagine walking. Come on, NBA. The, th- I, the thing is, like, they probably have to like make it all up and bouncers when everyone gets all rowdy and <laughs> fights each other. But so it's tearing chairs out but, of the ground. But still, it'll it'll put butts in seats. There's not like so you'll see this. You've seen this now. Football season. There's fans at football games who fight all the time because you're there for at least four hours, if not more, if you're tailgating, you're drinking a ton more beer, you're at an elevated situation. Baseball, you'll see it sometimes. Basketball, there's not basketball fights unless if you're Charles Oakley. Right. And that's about the only time that that happens. I've never, I Why is that? I haven't seen it. Well, it's a, just a more dignified experience, let's be honest. I like that. Like, the, the, the whole pageantry of a football game day oh, you commit an entire day to this freaking football game first of all i think it's amazing that people like ad- adult friends of mine still find the time to carve out 17 consecutive sundays i know to dick well, around in front of the tv yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable um but like nba games you go to work that day you're still you're coming out of your you have your work clothes on you know have a couple beers sit with one other guy it's not <laughs> you're indoors it's not a it's a it's an appropriate basket. It's an appropriate sporting experience. Sure, it's, it. it's a little bit more buttoned up, you know. Um, so, anyways, check out Stadium Quest. Maybe I, that could just be wrong, by the way. So, but you know who will know? StadiumQuest.com. So check it out. Um, further to that point, though, about uh, like popularity, I was there's this thing on NBA Reddit, uh-huh. and it's like NBA Reddit Survivor, and it's just like every every person on NBA Reddit, all like however many hundreds of thousands of users, just vote on who to vote off the island every week. So you start with 30 teams and then they just like vote one of the teams off. And uh, the first, the first team to go with the cat were the Cavs, then the Celtics, then the Warriors, Lakers, familiar faces. Right. Understand. Nets made it all the way to the 26th round before they got the boot, which is, Oh, it's happened. It's happened. They finally the got boot. booted today. Uh, oh, but we were like fifth, you know, l- you know, we made it to the, to the 26th round. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's <laughs> what a, basically what that? that suggests is yeah. that, um, we've entered into either a place of sympathy in the NBA, yeah, I or think that's for sure, or a place of like we just don't nobody cares or like thinks about us. Um, either way, it's better than our like previous brand, which was like we're the Russian-owned guys that throw money around that are going to ruin the NBA. Yeah, this is what people thought when, when Prokhorov took over. <laughs> they were going right. to ruin the. Remember yeah. that? Like they're going to spend too much money, and oh my god, what's going to happen? Right, we were we were like the Death Star, and uh, <laughs> yeah, how quickly we, that changed. By the way, I saw a list of the top ten free agents remaining. Yeah, um, Darren Williams is four on that list. Um, really? So I so hope he doesn't get signed by someone. That's yeah. like, I hope this ends that, for him. You're just. <laughs> I hope this ends for him. I hope. I hope I, the the finals went. Oh, it went beautifully. It went so yeah. well. He yeah. came in and was terrible. Yeah, you know, people made such a big deal out of him signing with that team that he was going to really solidify the bench minutes. Mm. And he just played so poorly. Yeah, and it made him feel you're, so good. Your personal animus towards it. This is, I mean, like in our I'm, Death Star, in the Death Star scenario, it's like our Death Star had a bad ankle and like started to <laughs> just like couldn't couldn't well, couldn't perform, couldn't blow up planets. What it, what it was was that they left an exhaust hole open. On the exterior of the ship that apparently went straight to the reactor. Right. That was Darren's ankle. That was his ankle. That and, was somebody put then, that plan in, into place. And they came in and Luke fired right at that ankle. Yeah. And 
size of a womp rat. And then they repeated that in Force Awakens. The sort of the same thing. And I guess what? J.J. Abrams is coming back for episode nine. I wonder what they're going to do at episode nine. I'm going to repeat the same crap. Can't yep. wait. Anyways. The Nets are back. Just changing uh, gears again. I like to just do it. I do, by the way, I do have a Star Wars thing at the end of this. Cool. To well, we'll double back. Uh, yeah. One last interstitial conversation. If you're, if Ooh, you, I love it. If you wouldn't mind. Um, Washington Post article about C.J. McCollum. Um, thought it was interesting uh, for a variety of reasons. Did you, did you like follow this thing at all? Just saw the tweet. For, for those of you that don't know, so this ESPN every year since its existence probably has done a like ranking yeah. of the top 100 players because there's nothing to talk about right now. So you have to make up some news. A thing people do in the biz, you may or may not know, Mike. Um, anyways, CG McCollum took offense, I guess, or or was inspired, maybe, perhaps. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, and He's shot, off a, shot yeah. off a tweet that was like, I think we should rank journalists. Um Fun idea. I still have yet to see anybody do it. Like I'm, I'm you know, if yeah. you just do it. You know. Yeah. Do you, why don't you do it on the just, Players' Tribune? Yeah. You have the perfect outlet to exactly. rank journalists. Just do it. So, anyways, I think it, it brought up an interesting conversation, basically about like <clears throat> the future of media in this space, and like so. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think so. Um, you you don't think so? Well, I I think. Well, you tell me. I want to hear what you're talking about here. Well, here's what I think. So I think like so basically his whole like thesis got then he like got derailed he started tweeting at people and it just like went into like a bunch of different things but basically it turned into like journalists suck at their jobs they make stuff up they don't know what they're talking about yeah yeah totally um which That's uh, what we do. so i have i have thoughts about that part of it i think the the launching off point like the base like the where, where he started it was probably a bad um example of like something like the espn 100 players things is just a boring article and it's like don't whatever don't take offense to that no one carries that information with them after they read it right it's one of those articles that you read it you're like oh, okay and then yeah whoosh. and that's gone um so bad's jumping off point but i think there is a salient point in there somewhere and there is like some compromising to be done between players and media uh the thing that i think that happens though is like with the internet and new media you know ecosystem that we have nowadays um there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, report bad news, uh, like stupid fake Twitter things, stupid, you know, bad podcasts, you know, not like ours. We're, we are professional grade news aggregator 100%. podcast. Um, anyways, and then that stuff gets kicked up, you know, on Twitter or wherever else back up to the players. And they think, oh, like the NBA fan base is so dumb. They like listen to these bad reporters, even though it's a pretty loud minority, probably of people that are bad at reading news yes, on the 100%. internet. So then they in turn are like, everyone's got this all wrong when really it's just like the loudest, dumbest minority of, of NBA. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe larger. Sure. Um, so anyways, and then, so in an effort to like fix that or whatever, then there's things like the Players Tribune and Kevin Durant just launches his own like YouTube channel, and there's this effort to like regain control of the narrative, which is I think so valuable, but ultimately like has the same kind of flaws as any other media, which is that like it's state-run TV at that point. You know, you're not going to be able to deliver the message you want if it's coming from you. You know, that's well. The- and I I got to say like not just because we do a podcast, but the best medium for delivering for the fairest message is long form interviews and the best way to do that is podcasting like so i understand from a player's perspective when they get interviewed by a journalist and then the journalist will take five sentences out of a 50 minute long interview and they insert them into a piece and they form it in a way the journalist does that maybe isn't not clearly not the intent of the person who said those words 
but they're just shoved in there, and that's frustrating for a mm-hmm. player. Um, that's why I've, a scene like this, where we're just talking, is mm-hmm. the best way to do it. Players' Tribune is, I actually think the some of the writing obviously is amazing, and some been some of the best stuff I've read, but. You, that that cannot be the sole way a player is presenting themselves because one you're only just then you're just writing d- journal entries essentially really personal journal entries yeah. but like it's not telling the story about you the best people to like you're not the best person to write your own story right that's why autobiographies are not as good as biographies <laughs> like they're just not mm-hmm. like they the like I didn't read Hillary Clinton's new book but it, it's of course it's interesting to get a view into her mind but she cannot tell a complete history of the moment because she's only telling it from her perspective. The best person to write the book would be someone like um, the guys who wrote Game Change, people who can, who are journalists, who can give a full perspective. I think, Dan, this, I think Dan Brown should write it. Dan Brown would be fantastic. The thing about McCollum's thing, which is interesting, is that for I know for a fact, because he said this before, is that he, he wants to be in media when he gets out of this. Mm-hmm. As, as a guy coming into the draft, he spoke multiple times about, I want to be in media when I leave, like that's how he kind of like why a lot of people media liked people mm-hmm. in the media liked him. He's talked about it many times before. So like now he's taking this tact where he's saying, Oh, we should rank journalists, which again, please do. I would love to see that list. How excited would you be if, even if you showed up at all on that list, that'd be uh, oh, well, <laughs> 400th Mike Smith. If like Rob Mahoney <laughs> was like what? in it, <laughs> yeah. but like, it's just like, it's just such a weird thing to get mad about. And one, it's like the, the being mad about being ranked in any way. Like that, sports is all about the tenet of writing about sports is that we rank, we do Mount Rushmores, we rank people. That is the discussion that we have. It's just to be mad about that is to be mad about like politics where they talk about candidates to come up in you know twenty twenty like twenty twenty four. I'd go as as far as to agree with him that it is dumb, but it's 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 dumb in a pretty in, inane way. It's not like a violently That's what dumb. You get mad about yeah. You know? It's like. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like, and then Melo's mad because did you see that Carmelo is ranked below Lonzo Ball in the ESPN ranks? Did he get he got butthurt about that? Yeah, he said some. I think there's some Instagram post about you know ESPN SMH. You know, stay mellow. Some sense of basically like you know you you guys are just clowns. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just why don't you be better basketball player? I I know you're better than Lonzo Ball, but why don't you? I mean, why aren't you better? I mean, here's How are the you thing mad about that. You're, and, and this is, you know, this is the last thing we have to say about it because we don't want to keep going around. But like you, if you do relink the thing and like talk about it like that, you're butthurt about it. You're, you know, you're only going to infuse it with more yes. importance. You know, the people who created that list at ESPN are, yeah. are doing the, the finger <laughs> yeah. wag thing where they're putting the fingertips together. <laughs> the, like the, like the Burns. Mr. Burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they are so happy that this is being commented on and people yeah. are being mad about it, it. For, for 20 years, it's, they've been doing it and nobody said anything. And then suddenly <laughs> Mel, Carmelo Anthony is upset about it. So, yeah, that's exciting. That's what they want. It's exciting for those interns. Um, anyways, I got one email that I wanted to read because this is, you know, I like to give people a little shout out. So, uh, this is Cheerboy. Keith Ludwig. Great name, Kiefer. I think he's written in before. Um... He says he loves the podcast, Mike. Sure. That's all you have to say. I, I expect it at this point. Love you back, Kiefer. Um, so he says, so this is kind of a moot point right now, but uh, uh, Bucks waved Spencer Hawes. This is, he sent this a couple weeks ago. We haven't been oh. potting lately. Yeah. But anyway, so Zeller v. Hawes, go. Um, 
I don't like causes politics. <laughs> Fair. Which is like one thing. No, I mean, I the height of Zeller's career is better than the height of Spencer Hawes's career. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And also, Hawes has typically been in losing situations. Do you think so? I think Hawes had like a couple really nice seasons there at one point. Zeller had that one year, like the third year he was in the NBA, where but he was like he ten was, and six, right? Yeah, that's a height. That's a height that's, for me. <laughs> yeah. I get. I mean, I don't. I just think Hawes is. From what I remember watching him, he's like all offense, no defense. I think he had like a big season in there. So let me, like, well, again, I'm saying all offense, no defense. Maybe I'm wrong too. Yeah, no, he didn't. He's just like 13, 13 points. So it's like so similar to Zeller. I don't know. I just, I've always liked Zeller. I think he fits more into a team. Again, defensively, I would imagine Zeller's a better player than Spencer Hawes. Do I, would I have cared either way? No. I mean, they're about the same age, right? How old is Spencer Hawes? Look, if we're, I think those politics are important. Ultimately, if we're if we're trying to you know have like the the goodwill train stop at Barclay Station, we're gonna need you know not not that divisiveness to <laughs> yeah to stay away. Um, and I'm sure Zeller holds the same politics. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have two quick news around the league things by the way that I want to get to. Sure. Um, so first off, it's it's sort of about the Nets actually. Wait, do you want me to hit the news? Nah, it's okay. the news. We got this thing plugged in for a reason, Mike. We're doing the drops. News around the league here. Yeah. The Rockets sold for $2.2 billion. And when the news came out, there were some gifts online about Perkerov celebrating because it keeps raising the price up. And the, the idea is that the Nets are going to be sold for a ton more money now. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, Nets fans, one, don't worry. If Perkerov sells, who gives a... Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what what are the Nets losing? Unless they're because here's the thing. Okay, multiple things here. One, the fact that the the Rockets and teams are being sold at a high price means that the type of person that will buy an NBA team at this point has to have a ton of money. And what was the problem with the Nets in the past was that the, its owners had no money. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about if Prokhorov sells. What people like Prokhorov is because he has a lot of money. Anyone who buys the team will also have a lot of money. So that factor about Prokhorov, why you like him, is going to stay, stay the same. right? Yeah. They're not going to be sold to a Donald Sterling type. They're going to be sold to someone who's super rich. Okay. The other thing about the, the Rockets deal, which is interesting, is that it's the guy who bought the team, who owns a bunch of restaurants, like a huge restaurant chain, like Landry's Restaurant Chain, which I think owns Bubblegum Shrimp. Big really? fan. I've never. I, I saw Bubblegum Shrimp for the first time, and I was driving through Times Square. Yeah, and that's it. I, is, is there like a ton of those restaurants around? I don't think. I mean, there's one in Baltimore yeah. around where I grew up. Is it like Red I Lobster or something? What do they got there? But I think it's it's well, it's exactly like Red Lobster. Maybe a little bit more Cajun flavor. Uh-huh. But it's it's maybe there's what there could only be twenty of them in America. Okay, you can. They're not at every right. You know, they're not like Red Lobster level, and they don't have as good as cheddar biscuits. Um. <laughs> The other thing about the guy who bought the Rockets, this is someone who has repeatedly tried to buy the team. He apparently tried to buy them in the 80s for something like $80 million, and he's kept trying to buy the team. This is someone who really, really, really wanted the Rockets, okay? So he paid an extreme premium for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even the fact, like, I don't the, I don't think the Nets would get $2.2 billion anyway. So I don't think the Rockets situation in terms of how much money they got and it believing to show a certain amount of interest in the team impacts the Nets. The Nets situation is completely different from the Rockets. They don't have a ready-made 
buyer waiting in the ring wings, at least from what we believe. The only guy who I know that is a Nets fan that has maybe some money is the guy who owns, who's the co-founder of Reddit, mm-hmm. who's married to Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. But I doubt that they have billions to buy the team. I mean, what do you think? The real fear, I guess, for any Nets fan in in a purchase, and we still don't know whether this is going to be a minority sale or a majority or a whole Barclays Center or any of these things, and we'll never know until it happens, so it's not really worth worrying about, uh, is that they would clean house management-wise and fire uh, Markson and Atkinson, um, which is a fear that I can relate to, but ultimately it's there's a whole lot that would have to happen, and even then, even the person that has the the money and the wherewithal to buy this team has to then have a really poor opinion of two people that you shouldn't have a poor opinion of and who are like not like absorbently paid or something like that it just doesn't doesn't seem like the kind of like house clearing that would even be you know in in the works and i think along with that the fear of firing marks and atkinson is also just a manifestation of um fear that a prokhorov like figure will come in and want to make the team an immediate contender and then all this misery that this team has lasted through and the fact that the Nets are staring at a not-too-distant future where they're going to be able to have their own draft pick again. The the, the slate will be wiped clean from the disastrous trade. Um, we the, the fact that if someone then does come in, throws a bunch of money around and says, you know what, actually, this Levert, Lynn, D'Angelo Russell thing is like, okay, but what I really want is just a bunch of all-stars. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the fear, and I understand that. I don't. Th- I think the type of buyer who would come in on the team would be someone who would, who would understand the sins of the past and would not want to commit the same sin. They would not want to come in and just throw a bunch of money around and ruin the future all over again. You know, what? How, how do I know that's true? I don't. But that's, I imagine if you're going to spend $2 billion, which it may take to buy this team or whatever it would be, Maybe you you learn from what happened six years ago. Yeah, well, we'll see. But again, I, I just want to. I brought up the Houston Rockets thing because I think there was a lot of speaking of basketball Twitter, basically people saying, "Wow, Prokhorov is going to make out with this situation." And then there's that fear again that we talked about. That oh my god, then who's going to come in and take over the team? Yeah, whoever takes over the team is is going to be super rich. So that's really good. Yeah, and whoever's going to take over the team will hopefully actually maybe be a better owner than Prokhorov because if you're going to grade Prokhorov's tenure it's like you wouldn't give him anything above a C yeah there is a weird vibe with any of those conversations where there's like sort of this like like haha the Nets are getting sold like kind of vibe to it do you get that sense yeah I know it's like really like it's like this happens to it's a rejection all kinds of franchises both successful and unsuccessful like that's not a (laughs) it's that's not a indicator of I mean like obviously the Nets like are not good right now so to be honest it shows a valued asset right I mean that I think also there's an understanding that Prokhorov maybe doesn't have as much money or has been losing a lot of money with the team and he he would like to get away from that but that ROI, baby, is sweet. I mean, he bought this thing for, for like $275 million or something. I mean, come on. Come all right. On. Maybe not. How much was it? Anyways, I forget. Um, is that it? Is that all we got? Yeah, let's, let's end her here. Okay. I had a Billy, I had a Danny Ainge thing, but... You want to save it? You want to pocket that? Yeah, we could pocket it. Okay. All right, Mikey. Well, hey, thanks for uh, having me on the show. <laughs> you know, it's good. it's good times. Um, we will be back at a point before the season. Oh, we're gonna be we're no, gonna be we'll ramping be it up. We're gonna be doing next week, Mike. We're yes. gonna be doing this again next week. Hopefully with 100%. some some cool guests. 
We'll be ramping it up. Um, thank you so much for listening. Stick with us. Download and listen. We're going to maybe have ads at some point. Everything that we sell on the ads, buy it. Everything. And say, and email them and say, the glue guys told you to buy it, right? That's the, how it works. That's how commerce works these days. Um, thank you for being here, Brian. Again, I couldn't be happier to be on the show. Um, where do you find us, Mike? You can find us at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, The Glue Guys Facebook page, netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio, and again, iTunes. Download us, listen, and buy everything that we will hopefully be able to sell at your faces uh, sometime down the road. <laughs> nice. Nice, Mike. Um, oh, thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>